excuse me. I imagine um, that it was apparent to each one of you um, this morning, as apparent to you as it was to me um, through the um, not terribly pleasant drizzle. Um, but looking at the way in which all of um, the leaves on the trees are starting to turn, they're increasingly red and gold and yellow, if they're not already on the ground, um, that the season is well and truly turning. Astronomers tell us that autumn starts on September the 22nd, which is the autumn equinox. Meteorologists even say that autumn starts on September the 1st. So I think it's pretty certain that by the first day of October, um, as the quintessential harvest hymn has it, by now all should very definitely be gathered in. Harvest. Harvest in the harvest festivals that are being celebrated in churches across the country. This weekend, maybe last weekend, maybe the weekend to come, is of course a time of celebration. It's a time of thankfulness for all of God's gifts, not only those of the bounty of nature, not only the crops that Um, have flourished over the summer and been collected now, but also a time of thankfulness to the Lord for every aspect of our lives, every good thing that we enjoy. So I think it's rather a nifty piece of theological and biblical footwork that Lee has carried out in planning um, this morning's service, that whilst we're in the mid-flow of our sermon series um, based around John McGinley's book, Mission Shaped Grace, which is looking at what it means to be a disciple of Christ, he's found for us a passage in Matthew 9 which marks both harvest and also works for discipleship. Note to self for future sermon planning. In all seriousness, though, um, when we're considering what it is to be a disciple of Christ, this image of harvest is central to our understanding. A fortnight ago, when I spoke about putting our faith into action, I suggested that if we have true faith in Christ, then that faith must manifest itself in actions that reflect that faith. And since Jesus went around not only doing good, but also called others to follow him, we too are not only to do good in his name, but we're called to lead others to follow him too. You may recall that I also said that the word in New Testament Greek, um, which we translate most commonly as disciple, um, mathetes, um, frequently has the sense of being a learner or an apprentice. It has this sense of, uh, of, of still being in a process of acquiring knowledge and experience and, and skills. To be on Uh, To be a disciple of Christ is to be on a journey with him in this fashion. As Archbishop Rowan Williams says in his uh, excellent little book, which I recommend to you, uh, Being Disciples, 
It's only about so thin, it's, it, it, but it packs a, a real punch. Um, as he suggests, um, living a life in which we're led by the Holy Spirit in all we think and say and do suggests that God is constantly calling us to life, to life in him. And this calling suggests that there is always something further ahead. He writes, Am I expecting to grow in the life of the Spirit? It's a sad reflection on any Christian life if we come to the point of thinking, well, I've done my spiritual growing. I've reached a point that suits me. I've found a style of discipleship that I'm comfortable with. Yes, it's important to find a way of being, praying, speaking, singing, worshipping that you can live with. But we have to be very careful of confusing that settling down with something that won't stretch or challenge us. Williams concludes, we need to ask whether we come to prayer and try to live as Christ's disciples in the expectation of being stretched. Do I expect there to be a bit more of me at the end of a period of prayer or worship than there was at the beginning? By which, of course, he means me living in the power of the Spirit and therefore actually a bit more of God in me. I wonder how much this is true of me or of each one of you every time we pray or worship. In our passages this morning, we join Abraham and Jesus and his 12 apostles at points which, at which there is a very definite sense of there being something ahead, at key points on a journey of discipleship. We've only just met Abraham, or Abram, as he is still known at this point. To all intents and purposes, he's no different from any other ancient Near Eastern nomad this far. There's been no indication of anything particularly special about him until the Lord calls to Abraham and he commands him to go, to go on a journey, and Abraham obeys. Similarly, Jesus is just about in the first verses of Matthew 10, straight after our passage from his gospel. Jesus is about to call his 12 disciples to him and to give them the authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and illness and to send them out to do precisely that. It's a key point in their calling with Jesus too. I'd like to suggest to you this morning that there are three key aspects of discipleship, of being on this journey with Christ, on a journey with God, on a journey with the Holy Spirit, that we can learn from these passages this morning. The first of these characteristics is thankfulness. Thankfulness. Discipleship as a gift 
and as a blessing. Being a disciple of Christ, although it can be very challenging, is a gift from God. There's nothing better that we can do with our lives than to seek God's will for those lives and to follow him in this. In his calling of Abraham to follow him, God declares that he will bless him and his people, God's gift to him. Abraham recognises this gift, the gift of being able to follow the Lord and that God is with him as he does so. And so we read at the end of our passage that he builds an altar in thankfulness to the Lord and he calls on his name. But also, through Abraham following him, God in turn, through Abraham, declares that he will bless all the peoples of the earth. Through his discipleship, Abraham gives the gift of God's blessing to others. The blessing to the nations that finds its ultimate fulfilment in the person of Jesus. Equally, through their discipleship, Jesus' twelve apostles bring the gift of healing to those whom they encounter. Matthew says that Jesus sees the crowds in front of him as being like sheep, sheep without a shepherd, harassed and helpless. These people are lost, they're vulnerable, they're defenseless. In Jesus' time, to be a sheep uh, in Palestine, out in the open, without the protection of a shepherd, was to be utterly vulnerable to bears and wolves and lions. The disciples, then, had the gift of Jesus to offer these people. We, today, have the same gift of Jesus' love, Jesus' peace, Jesus' mercy, to offer to those to whom we witness, whom we seek to disciple in Christ's name. Which brings me to the second key aspect of discipleship that I see in these passages, and that is compassion. So we have thankfulness first, and then compassion. In our Pew Bibles, the heading, um, which by the way, um, like all headings in our Bibles, are completely modern insertions. They are not to be found in any original text at all. The heading for um, the passage from Matthew is, The Workers Are Few. However, in my Greek New Testament at home, sounding a bit flash there, Uh, In my Greek New Testament, the heading for these verses is the compassion of Jesus. What Jesus demonstrates as he indicates the crowd to his disciples, as he points out their vulnerability, is first and foremost his compassion for them. His compassion for them as men and women who do not have God at the centre of their lives, who don't have him guiding him, who don't have him protecting them. The Greek word that Matthew uses at this point is, um, and this is a goodie, 
esplegniste. It's exactly the same word that's used in Luke's gospel when Luke describes uh, the reaction of the good Samaritan when he comes across the, uh, the uh, robber's battered victim by the side of the road. It comes from a word meaning the gut, which is from where this reaction of pity that's described in both of these cases comes. A deep, um, gut-wrenching ache of empathy, of compassion for the suffering of these sheep without a shepherd, these people who do not know God, and for the man left dead by the road. If we're to follow Christ as his disciples and to call others to follow him. Matthew makes clear that we're to echo Jesus in this reaction. Discipling others comes first and foremost out of love for them, out of compassion for the fact that they don't yet know Jesus and that they don't have him guiding their lives, that they don't know the depth of his love. So first, we have thankfulness. Second, we have compassion. And finally, we have confidence. Abraham, when he hears the Lord, is confident that what he has heard is from God. He's confident and so he acts on it. He went, as we read, where the Lord told him. When God appears to Abraham, he has such faith that what he hears from the Lord that he, um, in what he hears from the Lord, that, that he straightway builds an altar on which to make thank offerings to him. Matthew, the writer of today's gospel, has himself only just been called by Jesus earlier in chapter 9. Um, at this point, um, I wish that our new screens that we're about to stall, uh, install in here were already up and running. Um, it's only going to be a couple of weeks, uh, God willing, um, because it would be great to show you a, uh, a wonderful picture of Matthew's calling uh, by Jesus. Um, this picture is in, uh, in Rome, in the Church of St. Louis, and um, it's by the uh, great artist Caravaggio. And it shows Jesus on the right side of the painting, um, pointing to a crowd of men gathered around a table. It's the moment in which he summons Matthew to join him. And Caravaggio's genius shows itself in the way in which it's unclear which of these men gathered round that table is actually Matthew. Which one is Jesus calling? It may be the one whose head is hanging down, trying to avoid Jesus' gaze. It may be another who um, points to his right in a sort of classic schoolboy, you want him, sir, not me, uh, fashion. But the point is, it doesn't matter whom specifically Jesus may be pointing to. He's pointing at them all. He's pointing at me and at you as we look at that painting. He's calling each one of us just as much as he's calling Matthew and his fellow sitters round that table. Each one of us is called. And in that calling, 
we can be confident that Christ is with us and that our calling in his name will bear fruit. Jesus doesn't say that the harvest may be plentiful. He declares that the harvest is plentiful and that the disciples whom he sends out immediately after this and us too can go and reap that harvest in certain knowledge. I'm sure you're all aware um, that the mission of our diocese um, here in Sutherland, Nottingham, is to grow disciples younger and wider and deeper. There's some great stuff already going on here at St. Giles with the younger part of this. I saw on uh, Facebook yesterday, um, someone had had put up a a post saying that at Friday's um, youth walking meal that that Andy led... um, and in which uh, the group had a course at, uh, at, at a different house. Um, there was a mini-crisis um, when some supposed over-catering of 40 baked potatoes um, wasn't enough for all of the young people who turned up on it. And it's fantastic to see so many of our young people um, seeking the presence of God and looking to do his will in their lives in this way wider. I've already mentioned to you uh, a couple of times Alpha, which we started this last Tuesday evening in the George, um, and at which, um, praise the Lord, we had 12 guests, a really lovely crew with us. And of course, there's Rachel and Johanna's four favorite hymns series starting later in October. Do think who you can invite to that. Um, Details are at the back if you need. But on a much more simple level, um, there's, of course, the October's, uh, October Seniors Coffee and Cake at Bradmore uh, a week on Tuesday the 10th. Why not just invite a friend to that? Let them see what it's like to be part of a community, a family that's following Christ. And hopefully they'll see that it's attractive And they'll want to be part of it too. And finally, deeper. If you're in a home group, perhaps, I hope that this sermon series and the Bible studies um, with which we're linking them are helping you to deepen your faith, your knowledge of, your love of Jesus. And if you're not already in a group... Or perhaps the the Julian group that also meets regularly. Why not join a home group? Ask um, Katie Conley or Lee or me about this and we'll get you into one with great pleasure. Maybe we'll even help you start a new one if that's what you'd like to do. But whatever you feel called to do, growing disciples wider, younger and deeper... My prayer is that you will do so thankfully, compassionately, and with confidence that our God will always be here. He will always be with you as you follow him, as you seek to bring his kingdom around you here on earth. And as you step out in his name to lead others into the knowledge of his mercy, his peace, 
and his love. In Jesus' name, amen.